Am I Reister or am I wrong? Guess who's back? Ralph Amstead is back. And we got plenty to talk about about his trip. And transgender athletes are competing in sports and it is causing a circus. And we are going to have the discussion that a lot of people don't want to have. Marjorie Taylor Greene is continuing with this nonsense just spewing and then she'll say oh it's America first agenda no we're going to talk about her as well the Capitol rider Jake Angeli he wants to testify against Donald Trump now wow wow and the video of a QAnon supporter believer apologizing to Anderson Cooper is absolutely unbelievable Um, What's up with these $2,000 stimulus checks? Is this a broken promise? The Phoenix Suns still suck. And did the Rams give up too much for Matthew Stafford? Um, Am I right or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth? Absolute daily fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100 at all times. Make sure that you download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend about the podcast, and you can listen to me on Mad Dog Sports Radio, 10 p.m. Pacific Time, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, both of us on the Pac-12 Apostles Podcast, and also me on Fox Sports Radio on Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. And make sure that you leave a rating, a five-star rating, and a five-star review. Uh, Isn't that right, Ralph? Five stars all the way. <laughs> That's a little bit of an inside joke for everybody who, uh, anybody who listens to our other podcast. And if you guys do want to text me or Ralph, Ralph, we won't give this number out very often, but we will give it out toward the middle of the podcast. You don't get it for free in the beginning. You have to get it in the middle. And so people have been texting us already and we will respond. You just don't know who you're going to get. Um, first thing up. Uh, Ralph, you took a trip. You took a trip. You abandoned us for an entire week. I hope it was <laughs> worth it. I it felt worth it, man. I've been in the same room as my kids for eleven months, and it was it was nice to uh, it, it was it was nice to get away. At the same time, very like um, anxiety riddled. You know, flying during COVID and and all that stuff. That's not something that I've done before but we we flew out to atlanta which was pretty much a ghost town um not a lot going on centennial park was was closed off i had been out there a few times and i i I really like atlanta but it was definitely it was definitely completely different world a completely different vibe um and then i got to uh, tour a couple of college campuses i went out to to athens to see the uh university of georgia and then went to clemson south carolina to see clemson went up into boone north carolina to see uh, appalachian state so that was kind of fun and my wife has a friend that lives in charlotte and we were able to to check in on her and hang out with her for a few days and it was it was nice man it was definitely a different vibe i've never been to south carolina never been to north carolina um i really enjoyed it yeah um when we were talking you were talking about the college towns because you live, you know, outside of Phoenix. I live outside of LA, but I went to school in Eugene, Oregon. And I have been a, you know, a long time believer in college towns because Clemson barely has 10,000 people in it. 
uh, Tuscaloosa's not super big where Alabama is like some of the most rabid fan bases in college football are not in huge towns. So like what, what was your feeling like getting a chance to go and see some of those, you know, Georgia, South Carolina, all of that stuff. Yeah. So uh, university of Georgia is interesting because it's, it's a beautiful um, campus, beautiful football field. You and I talked, it was open. So I was able to just go in and check it out. And, uh, and my wife was kind of surprised, like, why would they just have the stadium open? And in my head, I was like, well, you don't close the doors to the church, right? You, that's the sanctuary. Yeah. So um, that, that was kind of nice. Athens is interesting because there's 100,000 people there. It doubled in population from 1990 to 2000, I think. And, and, um, and maybe I think there's like 30,000 students, but they don't count the student populace in the actual resident populace. And so Clemson was a little bit different in that, there are more students than there are citizens of the town by far, like by far. Um, Athens is very much a college town. Clemson is the college. Like that's, that is the town. It is the engine that drives it. Yeah. And then uh, kind of the same uh, for Appalachian state. I think you have to have a 30,000 seat stadium to be considered a D one school. And there's seats exactly 30,000 or something like that. <laughs> Standing um, room only. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, and so uh, it's it's definitely a different vibe than than Tempe and, and Tucson and the two LA schools. Um, it, it, even even Eugene would exist. Eugene would still exist and have a functioning economy without the University of Oregon. It would be radically different than than it is now. But well, I mean, it's it's like Clemson. The same there'd be no reason to live in Clemson. Oh yeah, there's no reason to live in Clemson unless you're associated with the with the university. But Eugene is very similar to. Um, to like Athens in that it's barely over a hundred thousand people. It's not, you know, like it, it, it has an infrastructure, but it's also Eugene Springfield. Like it's two cities that they, they yeah. just barely combined to make enough people to make a, a whole real city. But it's the fan bases. I think that make these universities and these uh, places wild, dude, because there's not a lot going on. So it, it's almost like the small towns in Texas where they're like, yo, like we have to care about this uh, so much. But uh, you, you brought up an interesting thing because you went to the Carolinas and I hadn't even heard about this, about the Carolina Panthers potentially moving to host a Super Bowl. Yeah, so uh, we, we were talking to some some residents there, and they said that they had moved the Carolina Panthers training facility to Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is about 45 minutes south of Charlotte, where the stadium is. And that's a pretty common thing. I, I live in Arizona. The Cardinals facility is in Tempe, their practice facility, and the stadium's in Glendale. Like, that's can almost I, an hour apart if there's traffic. Can I tell you how much I, I hate that as a player? Like as a player, there's nothing worse really than yours because in Jacksonville and when I was in New York, the, the stadium is the same. The, the practice facility is right at the stadium. And just the idea that you have to go somewhere else, you have to transport your stuff elsewhere on game day. That means you can forget. It's just a, it's just not a good look. It doesn't feel as, as you know, as professional i don't it kind of takes the home field advantage away when you do have to drive an hour Yeah, because you're a visitor yeah 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 that i mean that that part of it's 
definitely interesting. Um, so, but it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. And then they said the whole plan with the Carolina Panthers, which I think has a new ownership group now that Jerry Richardson passed. Um, yeah, it does. I it's think, David Tepper. Okay. So I, I think the ultimate goal they said is, I, I guess Charlotte doesn't have the infrastructure to host a Super Bowl. They have the climate, they have the populace and they have the interest but I guess Charlotte, as it stands right now, Bank of America Stadium, as it stands right now, um, are not equipped to host those festivities. So the thought is, if they move south of Charlotte, that they'll actually be able to do that. But I was, I, I went to Rock Hill. I mean, I, there, there's not really anything there. And well, so here's the- they would have to build up the entire infrastructure around it. Um, all that just to hope, host a Super Bowl. I don't know if it would be worth it okay they're not getting super bowls anyway dude the only reason why new york got a super bowl at one time is because they built a brand new multi-billion dollar stadium and it was and it's new york like people always want to go to new york the weather still wasn't good and i'm not gonna say that charlotte has the i just pulled up the weather for this week leading through super bowl sunday so monday 45 degrees and raining. Tuesday, 46 degrees. Wednesday, 51, 53, 57 and rain, 51 and rain. And Sunday for the game, 46 degrees and rain. Hell no, dude. But like that, that that's why Dallas won't really get a Super Bowl again. They got a Super Bowl and it was snowing, ice on the ground. It was awful. It was awful, dude. Yeah, I remember when the when the 19 and 0 Patriots came to Phoenix. Uh, what was that? Like 2007. Um, and they they complained because their their nice weather Super Bowl was was uh, sixty degrees and raining the entire time. All right, so now I got a question for you. I I know that the favorite place that you went was Cumming, Georgia, right, bro? <laughs> so there is a town that we we stopped and had a nice little breakfast, and it was called Cumming, Georgia, and the spelling of it was is definitely a pause moment. And I'm in this coffee shop, and they've got all these cups that say, like, um, I'd rather be coming. I love coming. So, like, they're in on the joke. I just don't – I couldn't imagine living there. I couldn't imagine <laughs> raising my – I couldn't imagine – like, it, as Imagine writing evolves, that down on a letter. <laughs> you're talking to some poor customer service person, and you're like, where are you up from? Coming. Excuse me? <laughs> dude i i i will say i will say this as language evolves you can't it's okay it would be okay i think as a town to get together and be like like if there was a town called epstein i think it would be okay for everyone to get together and be like hey guys uh this is no longer a good thing anymore so like what can we do? And, yeah. And I don't know. Like, I, there was a I, – the high school in Cumming, Georgia was definitely not coming high. It was not. Like, they used the they, uh, they used the county name. So they know. Uh, they're very aware. That dude, imagine like, that. Imagine the high school coming, coming high. I oh, – dude, I, I don't know. I Like, I get – uh, for for as open minded as I am to talk about all the stuff we talk about, I still kind of get easily embarrassed. And I remember, so like, I sent a picture to a bunch of different friends. Oh my god, I sent a picture to a bunch of different friends. I'm like, I'm in this cafe in this town, 
And uh, I, I don't know about this name. And I had tweeted a, a picture of the breakfast that I ordered. And one of it was like a, like a, like a, a glazed uh, muffin. And every response I got back from all my friends was like, don't eat that muffin. <laughs> don't like, eat the muffin. I hate this place. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Now we can move on to the more serious talk, man. So there's been a lot of talk about transgender athletes and should they be able to compete in sports? And there's a lot of people that don't want to tackle this subject because they want to, they don't want to be called transphobic, homophobic, uh, you know, closed minded, this or that. They're afraid they're going to be canceled, whatever. But this is not how we roll. We have to we have to talk about the things that we're talking about privately and we're going to talk about it openly. So <clears throat> so the so there are so, so with the transgender athlete debate there are a bunch of different facets to it and because we're not talking about uh senior castamayor who was born basically 75 percent one gender 25 percent another gender that's not what we're talking about we're talking about people who are born either male or female but then they present in the world as another as the other gender and whether they should be able to compete out in sports. And fundamentally, Ralph, the way I look at it is, I do have empathy for people because I'm like, yes, it's sports. You should be able to compete, all this stuff. But the way sports are set up is, they're set up based upon a premise of fairness. You know what I mean? Like fairness a level playing field and equality. That's why when young boys and girls, when they're younger, they can play together. But then as the boys grow stronger and they hit puberty and all that stuff, their, their muscles change, all of this, and it doesn't become a level playing field. So for me, while I do have compassion for people who do want to compete, I think that there's a fairness issue, particularly like not so much for um, uh, females. I'm sorry, uh, females who have transitioned to being male as opposed to uh, the other way around. I think it it creates a fairness issue with that. And that if you are going to like disenfranchise or, 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 or make a situation where the majority of people who are competing are now at a severe disadvantage. I don't like it. And I don't think that that's the right thing to do. Well, let's talk about why this is a subject right now. Um, a couple of years ago, you, you had some records falling in a, in a couple of different States um, that were, uh, that were courtesy of some, uh, male to female transitions. Um, the rules around this are pretty new. There was some situations in which you had to be off of hormone therapy, testosterone therapy for a year before you could compete, but there's not really like a baseline rule state to state for the level of t testosterone that you're allowed to have. Um, if you transition, it's, it's a new issue. And as there are new issues, you have to debate, you have to talk about these things. What is unfortunate is that instead of having an honest debate and having an honest discussion like you and I would try to in a situation like this, 
what we got instead was some people who got outraged, some organizations that decided to make boilerplate legislation um, that they then passed along state to state to try to get through the courts, whether or not this was actually an issue as of yet in their state. So you have state legislators getting handed legislation to then take in and get co-sponsored and vote on whether or not it was actually going on. Cause like, so I've been covering high school sports in Arizona for nine years. I've never actually encountered this. And we still passed a law in the state of Arizona saying that male to female, that you have to basically compete uh, with the gender um, that, that you, you had at birth. And I thought, I thought it to be at the time, a little bit of a waste of time, just because again, it wasn't an issue for us. It was just boilerplate legislation, but it had been an issue elsewhere. Um, the reason that it's a subject again is because one of the executive orders signed by Joe Biden when he got into office was basically to kind of do away with some of that state by state legislation yeah. that was trying to eliminate a problem before maybe it existed or was reactionary to a very small handful of things. And now I've noticed some people are talking about it and people like uh, Marcellus Wiley have actually come out publicly and said that they should have their own um, league essentially, but there's not enough. It would be like a national league of like 20 people competing and that might not even be the same sport. So it is still fairly rare for where we're at now, but it's still important to have that discussion. And and as you, you and I have talked about, it is really like, there is a science involving uh, bone mass and what testosterone does to you through puberty that makes the, the discussion around athletics, which for the most part aren't fair, but do attempt to level a playing field and have a set of rules for people to abide by um, that, that seems to, in some circumstances, create an advantage. Yeah. Cause I mean, it is an advantage for a, a male to compete against a female, particularly in events like track and events like, you, you know, individual events, because as good as Serena Williams is, hits the ball harder than pretty much any woman in tennis history. But if you put her on the court with Rafael Nadal, like her balls are coming, her, her balls are lollipops compared to them. I mean, it, it's just not, even though that she could beat some of the lower level tennis players, she can't beat, uh, you know, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah. So, and she's the the best women's tennis player of all time. And, and Ralph mentioned the science of it, right? Well, actually, before we even get to get to the science of it, like for instance, in Connecticut, in the state of Connecticut, there were 15 different track records that were held by nine different girls that had stood up for a long time. And now there are two transgender athletes that now hold all of the records in the state of Connecticut. And it's just like, all right, because if you think about, because yes, you're supposed to uh, run fast, jump high, all these things. And when, when you compete in sports, but let's take track. For example, the fastest woman who's ever run track in the history is Florence Griffith Joyner in the, in the hundred meters. And I think she ran what, like, 10.4 in the 100 meters, like 10, 4, 3 or something like that. If you run a 10, 4, if you're a man, you're not even getting to the Olympic trials. Like you, No, you, 10, 
Ten four to for 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 reference. You can't even win in high school in California in ten in, in running a ten four. Right, ten four is like a ten four is like a third place finish for high school boys. Yes, and, and but but in California for or high Florida, boys. yeah, California, Florida, or Texas, you might not even finish in the top three, which is which is crazy. No. Running yeah. ten ten point four, so there is a big difference. And in the NCAA, transgender women can compete on women's teams after they've completed a year of testosterone suppression treatment, but the organization doesn't place limits on what their testosterone levels can be. But the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, does. They they have a, a, a testosterone limit that they have to fall within. And I know that that's probably extremely expensive to, to to do on like a national level. But aside from, you know, literally testing high school athletes and making sure that their uh, testosterone levels are fall within the appropriate range. I don't know what the uh, aside from not letting them come compete. I don't have another answer, but I do know that the wrong answer is them competing in and making it in, and having an unfair advantage uh, against their competitors. Like it, it would be like me putting my 14 year old son like uh, against uh, a to, to play football again or basketball against 12 year olds. I, it, it's just not, I guess it's still basketball, but it's not the same. Yeah. I guess it, it, it gets tough because these are the circles that I'm in. These are the people that I'm around. And I understand when people are talking about safety and they're talking about fairness. And then some of those same people that talk about those things will Texas redshirt their eighth grade boy because they are also hyper aware of the physical advantages to being yep, one year backing. older than most of your. Yeah. So you'll do eighth grade twice and then you'll go in um, being six to seven months older than a lot of your competition and six to seven months older. Doesn't matter when it's you and me, but when it, when it accounts for three to 4% of your actual human life, when you're 15, 16 years old, when college coaches are actually coming around to take a look at you, it can make a major difference. And people wantonly engage in that type of behavior. And I, I do have concern when those same people who will Texas redshirt their kids then turn around and say, but I don't, I need that to stop when it comes to um, transgender youth who wants to compete in athletics. And I'm not See, that's a fair point. to know what the right answer is. See, that's a very fair point because some of this for some people is rooted in, they don't want to see transgender athletes compete period. Right there, there, there is some of that in it. And then there are, then there is the issue of fairness, but then there's the hypocrisy, which we just point out all the time, just in life now, because it's so glaringly like just staring you in the face all the time. Now the hypocrisy where people will say, all right, like there's a kid who just graduated from my son's high school two years ago. He's in the NBA. Now he turns 22 in August. He was a one and done Ralph. And I remember when he was in college, he was at a major college and they would be like, yep, 20 year old freshman, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to call it, call his name out, but 
how crazy is that? Like 20 year old freshman. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was Amari Stoudemire, right? Like that yeah. was, that was the territory that he was in coming straight out of high school at 20 years old. Um, so what's and- the, so what's the answer? I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think that it occurs with enough frequency to even entertain the idea of a of a specific league. Um you and I had talked privately about the idea of some asterisk equivalent. Nobody likes an asterisk because everybody knows what it means, but when you're talking about individual sports, if you if there was a way to indicate that somebody was a male to female um uh, transgender athlete, if that was something that they that they were open about, if we could all just get over um, whatever hangups that we have as a society about the taboos of a subject like that, then an asterisk wouldn't be an asterisk. It would just be an indicator of like, hey, there was a there there could have possibly been a scientific physical advantage here that contributed to to some of these records. But some sports are team sports, so if it's softball and you have somebody hitting ten more home runs than anybody else in the entire league because it was a a, a, a male to female transition and it's a group sport, it's a really complicated question. I'm not afraid to say that I don't know what the best answer would be. I just would hope that everybody's being as honest with themselves as possible, that it's very easy for you to say that they should not be able to compete if it's not your personal situation. But I guarantee for a lot of people, if it did affect them personally or that was their own family, they would probably be advocating on the other side of it. Absolutely. Because we're all lobbyists for our own self-interest. See, I I believe that if I were in that situation, that I would say, all right, it, it, it's not fair, that I would try to find a way for my kid to compete if, if that were the uh, situation. And, and here is the thing that I want you guys to, to, to pay attention to, because here's one thing that, that we don't always talk about on here, but it'll come out the more and more that we do it together. Me, me and Ralph are both Christian guys, and, but believe what the Bible says, all of these things. And there are going to be some people that look, look at this. Oh my God, how can you call yourself Christian? This, this, this. Here is the thing above anything else, which, which is frustrating for me is that, is that above everything else, you are supposed to love people. You are supposed to treat people with decency and respect, regardless of what you feel about their, uh, about what, what you believe, what, what, whatever. And Jesus said, come as you are, come, come hear the word. And then your, then your life heart, whatever should be changed or whatever there. It's not my job to judge anybody. It is my job to love people and show up and do the things that I'm supposed to do. So, yeah. And I mean, as a, as a Christian, I also believe in that, that, um, we are created to create, right. Or created in the image of a creator and everyone always tries to break that down to like male or female or, or skin color or whatever. And the thing that I, that I believe that I feel like my, my wife really kind of taught me this early on is that created in the image of a creator means you were created to be a maker, to create things, to, to think about things and develop things. And, you know, I, I think that I, I think that uh, creation is beautiful in its many forms. And if you want to get into the nitty gritty and the science of it, there are a lot of people like you talked about, Castor Semenya, who, who were not born according to the, the, the gender lines that we um, have come to to accept as as normal. Things get super complicated. And I don't look at that as evidence of anything other than uh, um 
design is infinite and it's pretty damn cool. So like I, 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 it it really just comes down to us acknowledging that sports, while we try to create level playing fields, they're not inherently fair. You, you aren't, not every kid's going to be, have Shaq's physique, right? Someone's going to have to guard Shaq and that's not fair. And so what we, what we have to do is to try to determine what is in the best interest for the most people without hurting people, without letting people down. And this is a really tall task. And I would hope that people would be willing to have conversations in in the same matter that you and I have trying to understand that at the end of the day, it's just about people being able to, to compete and have some fun. Um, and, and, but you also have to understand like life is inherently unfair and there yep. might be situations in which you are not able to compete. Um, because of the the gender that you you identify as along with the 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 people of that gender that's just going to be the case uh until we figure out something better yep um now on to the next thing i'll let you uh introduce this ralph this um (laughs) this woman i'm gonna play a clip and then i'll let you go this woman here um i think the greatest message i can have for them is now is the time to pick up pick up a mantle, move it forward, wear your MAGA hat. This isn't going anywhere, not at all. We're only beginning to fight. We are going to defend our constitution, our freedoms, and we are going to drive as hard as we can to fight for America first policies and continue President Trump's legacy while the Democrats, the media, big tech, and even these Republicans that, or they call themselves Republicans, yeah, try to burn it down. They're trying to burn down. Did you see the air quotes? President Trump has done. And yeah. at the same time, they're doing that to the people that support him. And uh-huh. that's that's most, that is most of the people that voted so on the November. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Ralph. So that's, uh, that's Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is, um, uh, it would be like electing your aunt that is into the weirdest stuff on the internet that posts, you know, 60 reposts of, of, of the deepest of the, the deep cuts from the conservative blogosphere. Um, she's an elected representative and she's kind of a shooting star right now because she's very outspoken and knows how to brand herself and get attention and say outrageous things. Um, but yeah, so that, that was her talking to Katie Hopkins, who was probably the most hated woman in all of Great Britain right after the, uh, the, the siege on the Capitol. <laughs> and, uh, and they're saying like, now isn't the time to, to feel ashamed, but actually like if you're a Trump supporter, if you believe in America first stuff, if you believe in that agenda, then like now is the time to really buckle down and fight and i guess what bugs me about that clip is just continuing to use wartime language when they're not like when when, even when you even when you did breach the the capital it was just a bunch of people incriminating themselves on video and wandering from office to office like this isn't a real true revolution these are fat comfortable happy people and this woman from uh from northwest georgia from 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 the appalachian country she is you know people want to silence her and they want her out of politics but this is a representative government i feel like she represents a whole bunch of brain damage going on right now uh within the people who were uh who really got a lot of their ideas from the unfiltered unfettered dark corners of the internet yes dude it's tough because you look at her and you want her to just go away but then when you realize she's not the only one like she's not a lone wolf these are people who are 
like like these are people who are susceptible to heaven's gate to um to like any of these cults to the the dude down in Waco uh David Koresh to um like yeah. these are people who want to have some meaning but uh I sent you an article the other day about how QAnon is essentially like a game that it works the same as game makers do that they there is no actual Q person like it's not a real thing it's like the Wizard of Oz it's it's someone back there pulling the uh, strings and they'll tell you things like because the thing that makes people so rooted in their ideas is the fact that they're like I believe this it, it feels like they made their own decision so they're always like tell me uh don't listen to them you go find out for your for yourself don't listen to the scientists. Don't listen to the medical professors. Don't listen to the experts. Do your own research. But you're not actually doing research. They're researching on uh, on YouTube sites, on freaking, uh, you know, blogs. And there's no actual credibility behind it. It's just a, a rabbit hole that keeps going, a black hole that keeps going down and down and down. And they will take you there. And it's just a piece of like they bread crumb crumb stuff together. Like I, there's this dude. Oh yeah. Like there's this dude who, uh, is around that I've known for a long time with baseball, right? With youth baseball. He believes that Kobe was killed by some random, uh, like as part of some conspiracy. He also believes like, after Biden got elected, he was like, look, if you go to Antifa.com, look, it points to the white house website. Now, Tell me, tell me that's not real. I'm like, you can point a website wherever you want to point it to if you own the domain. And I was like, Ant yeah. I was like, Antifa doesn't have like a website where they're trying to recruit like that. Like, what are you talking about? It's I would say, yeah, I, I would say the the thing about the gamification of QAnon and all that, I think it just speaks to um it, it speaks to our susceptibility to if then statements right the 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 if then logic um when you you can create an environment and say if you can accept that this first thing is true then this second thing must also be true and it's really easy to get people to buy into the rhetoric of the early stages of an if then statement you know simple things like um it, it could be for a good cause like we all agree that clean air is good. Therefore, if you believe that clean air is good, then you do not want these companies polluting your air. And if you do not want these companies polluting your air, then perhaps we should enact legislation to limit the amount of pollution that they can uh, put into the atmosphere. Like that's your typical if then argument along the line. Um, and, and there are so many roads into QAnon that you just have to get somebody to agree with that first if then. Like, can we agree that the media is dishonest sometimes? And if that person says yes, and then the, the scaffolding begins right there. So if you can agree that the media is dishonest sometimes, then you can also agree that that would make them liars. 
And yes. if some of them are liars, then they're lying about this specific thing. And if you can agree that they would go so far as to lie about this specific thing, then what else could they lie about? And then that's just the road. And, and, and once you're moving downhill, you're moving downhill. And nobody ever wants to accept the idea that they could fall victim to the, these crazy lines of logic and ways of thinking. But as long as you can buy into that first level of the foundation, it's yep. all a scaffold off of that. And oh, I, I know some really dude. sensible people who have who have uh, they're they're lost right now because it's of it. it's gone so far. See, I could I could okay, I get how some people get to the conspiracy theory stuff, but I remember when people were talking about Chrissy Teigen and PizzaGate and like her and celebrities and Democrats eating babies, and I, I was like, this can't be real until I and then I was like, are these people lost forever? But apparently they're not because a lot of them thought that January 20th was going to be judgment day for somebody. It apparently, and it has passed them by and they are coming to grips. Here's a clip from Anderson Cooper about Anderson Cooper. Did you at the time believe that Democrat, high level Democrats and celebrities were worshiping Satan, drinking the blood of children? Anderson, I thought you did that. And I would like to apologize for that right now. So I apologize for thinking that you ate babies. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. You actually, but you, but, but you actually, you actually believe that I was drinking the blood of children. Yes, I did. Was it something about me that made you think that? It's because Q specifically mentioned you, and he mentioned you very early on. Who is he? Um, he mentioned you by name, and from there, if. He also talked about, like, for example, like your family. But yeah, and I, I've, I'm gonna be honest. Like, people still talk about that to this day. I, I, there's, there, there were posts about that just four days ago. So, some people thought you were a robot. You really believed it. I didn't just believe that. I, at one stage, believed that uh, Q Anon was part of military intelligence, which is what he says. But on top of that, that the the people behind them were actually a group of fifth dimensional, intradimensional, extraterrestrial, bipedal bird aliens called blue avians. I was so far down in this conspiracy black hole that I was essentially picking and choosing whatever narrative that I wanted to believe in. Wow. Wow. I don't even know where to begin with that, Ralph. I, I just, I don't know how you <laughs> end up there. I don't know how, like, the you believe Anderson Cooper's a robot, and then it's just like, like here, here's the thing is, whistleblowers, so if this were some CIA deep cover operative or FBI or somebody deep in all this, what do whistleblowers do, Ralph? Well, I mean, a, a, a whistleblower, uh, a whistleblower is somebody that alerts an appropriate agency to what they believe are uh, wrongdoings yeah. or people being taken advantage of. And do they leave breadcrumbs or when whistleblowers come out, do they like smack you in the face? Like, here's everything or 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 most oh. of everything for you to and then give you the the arrest but they give you enough for you to say oh like there's tangible evidence like you don't have to go do all this research yourself because you can't because it's secret 
Ninety percent of the frustration when somebody is a whistleblower and something like this comes out or blows up is that people had opportunities to know or to do something and didn't. Yep. So it almost always smacks you in the face because not only will a whistleblower say, this is what's going on. They'll also say, here are the five other people that I went to that did nothing. Yes. And so, yeah. And so that's, you know, that that's a big part of it. Another big part of it, I think is um, the, the sunk cost fallacy. Um, and, and, and stop me if you've, if you've heard of this, but in economics and business decision-making, a sunk cost is a cost that has already been incurred, been incurred and cannot be recovered. Sunk costs are contrasted with prospective costs, which are future costs that may be avoided if action is taken. In other words, a sunk cost is a sum paid in the past that is no longer relevant to decisions about the future. But the difference is we make them relevant. Correct. We make them relevant because we say, I've already put time and energy into this specific thing, and therefore I have to see it through yep. to the end. People don't want to take their L until that there is no other option. Uh, another so way to I say it. I think you it. probably have. It, now, uh, well, I think you have a lot of people in QAnon who yeah. who had a bunch of doubts along the way, but had already put time and energy into it and lost relationships. I think a lot of people in QAnon. Oh, and they just wanted to be right. Yeah, and then so you have the shame of having to come back around and admit uh, that you were lost, and you also don't have the support of the people in your life who might have tried to steer you towards something better because you've cut them off or they've cut you off, which just leaves you on an island to continue to make terrible decisions. Okay, and that leads us to the next man, Jake Angeli. If you don't remember who Jake Angeli is, he was the Capitol rider that had the uh what 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 kind of head was that? It was a buffalo horn like helmet with a fur cape. And then oh, he okay. did like the Ziggy Stardust red, white, and blue face paint. He was a, I'm I'm in Arizona. Like we've known about this dude for a long time. That's why it was really weird when he got uh photographed in the Capitol and everyone was like, well, that guy must be Antifa or an actor or something like that. Because everybody in Arizona knows that guy has been at every single MAGA rally for years. I have a friend who photographed him and another uh, friend who interviewed him for a newspaper article. So, like, we've been knowing about this guy. And it was just really funny to to um, to see people be like, no, that guy's proof that all of this is nonsense. No MAGA people are queuing on people would ever do something like that. Like, man, this guy's been around for a long time. All you have to do is search it on the internet. But that's another one of those things. If the internet is fake, if nothing can be trusted, then you'll believe anything. Well, and and this dude is supposed to be what 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 is he? A shaman? And the craziest part about that to <laughs> me is like, okay, he's supposed to be a shaman. He goes to jail, and then all of a sudden we're supposed to be like, he's like, I need organic food, otherwise I'm gonna die. F you, homie. F you, you're in jail. Sorry, you get what you get, just like every other damn inmate gets. Unless you have, like, literally, unless you're going to die. Because people who have celiac d- disease, that, that's when you're allergic to gluten, right? Yes. Yeah. So people who have celiac disease don't even all the time get special food. So the idea that this dude, this fake-ass shaman thinks that he should get organic food but that's not even the point he now is like i will he's like some other people who were part of the capital riots 
They want to testify, and he said this, in Trump's impeachment hearing because he feels upset that he was uh, railroaded, he wasn't given a pardon, and he wants to testify against Trump. I knew this was coming. Yeah, uh, yeah. I. But what level of credibility do you get? If, if, if the entire country has made up their mind that you're a crazy person, then do you then build your case um, for for incitement on the back of that craziness. I, I don't think, I don't think it, it's helpful to anybody. You don't, you don't then say this guy was so crazy that he stormed the Capitol, but he's not so crazy that we won't use him as our star witness to try to convict the former president of the United States. So I, I think that there's going to be a lot of people who do this, but the nice thing for the former president is it's already sort of built in that they're not credible people. So I'm not sure how that's going to help anyone's case to actually convict on the impeachment. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Um, next thing up, this was a, something that you wanted to talk about. It was these two thousand dollars stimulus checks that, and so people already well, some people already got six hundred dollars checks. Um, but now they're talking about getting $1,400 checks on top of this. And some people are like, that's a broken promise by Joe Biden. If we get 1400 instead of 2000, I, I, I thought it would be 1400. I'm maybe I'm tripping. I think, I think there's probably enough instances of them saying they'd send $2,000 checks, like a check with the amount of $2,000 on it. Um, Perhaps even after the $600 was announced. I don't know. My $600 never came. So um, I would say that it feels very much to me like, like, like getting real close to a broken promise. Like uh, we're already on a technicality, I guess. It really feels like they said there would be $2,000 checks. I'm not worried about it. Like I said, my previous one didn't come. My first one didn't come until two months after everybody else's. I'm not relying on this money or anything like that, but there are a lot of people who are relying on this money. Um, and, I, and, I, and if they went into that voting booth or they mailed in their ballot um, on the idea that that would result in that amount of economic relief for them, I think they probably have a right to be pissed off. Yeah. Well, really? You think that they have a right to be pissed off about not getting a $2,000 check when you just got a $600 check when in the beginning it was talked about a $2,000 check? I mean, it was a $600 check and then they were like, no, let's make it $2,000. And then you got $600 of it. I don't understand how you can be upset about this. It makes no sense in my brain. Well, if they, if, if, because I, again, I, and I, I think I even sent you a couple of of instances in which people are 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 not not even nitpicking. They're saying that after the six hundred dollar thing went through, that these politicians were saying, "Vote for us, John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, um, you know, Joe Biden," saying like, it, "If you get us in there, we'll send out the two thousand dollar check." Mm. And I think that. It's oh. definitely open for interpretation, but if you interpreted it in that way. Well, well, here's the uh, quote. 
Joe Biden in Georgia, if you send John and the Reverend to Washington, those $2,000 checks will go out the door, restoring hope and decency and honor for so many people who are struggling right now. He adds the powers that are literally in your hands. Okay. On one hand, I, <clears throat> I am in favor of people getting help and relief, right? I also understand the economics of continuing to print paper money. That when, when the, the deficit is so big, the only thing holding up our dollar right now is, is, is faith, you know, is people believing it. it. It's not the actual value of the money is gone. Like it's not backed by gold. It's not backed by anything. It's backed by confidence at this point. So I have been a person who, from the beginning of the pandemic, I was always like, okay, people are hurting, right? People have a shortage of food. They have a shortage of a lot of their basic necessities, right? Which, and then businesses forced to be closed or short-staffed and all of this. So people aren't eating out as much because they don't have as much, much money. So especially the, the restaurant industry, hotel industry, all these things, right? So if you are the government and you really want to help people and keep businesses going, why not pay those businesses, particularly in places where the government, I mean, the cities are shut down. Why not pay the restaurants to make food and give food away? Because now you have kept the restaurants in business and you're feeding people. Like, so you're feeding the, the, the basic needs of people and giving them something like you're, you're propping up the economy by actually stimulating it as opposed to just giving people checks, just I'm granted that the checks are, should be part of it as well, but just giving people money where a lot of them are going to just go invest it or do something else with it, which doesn't necessarily like putting it in the, in the stock market doesn't actually help the economy and the businesses in your local place. I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, th that's a much grander subject on just the intelligence of some of the in investment the government has, has done in, in keeping the economy afloat. I 100% agree with you that there were probably a million better ways to, to do that. But um, when it just comes down to the, the fact that people are, people feel let down, but it almost feels like it almost feels like if you were voting with this specific thing in mind, that your vote was purchased, that your vote was purchased. If they said, elect these two senators and you will get a two thousand dollar check and then you elect those two senators and a check for fourteen hundred dollars comes. I'm just saying that I don't begrudge people who seemingly got their vote purchased uh, for not feeling like um, for, for, for not feeling like they got what they were promised. I don't care at this point. I think we've done so many wrongheaded things. I think that there's money going to people who don't need it at all. Um, and, and, and that money should probably be reallocated to the, the, the people that do. But, you know, we got people who make $300,000 a year getting a check for $1,400. And then we got people who are, who are hand to mouth, single mother trying to feed three kids that are getting that same amount. Like it's, it's very, um, it's already imbalanced. But if that single mother of three is upset about what she feels like was a broken promise, like I'm not going to tell her she feels wrong. Yeah, no, I'm that's not. A, that's, that's fair. Um, next thing up is, 
Uh, very quickly, some news came across the timeline as we were on here. Uh, do you know that uh, Screech died? Yeah, man, I saw that. I saw that. Dustin Diamond. I, I feel like part of the show, part of Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Obviously not the guy that came up the most, not the main character, not the main uh, protagonist or antagonist. But I don't think I don't think they could have done that show. Without, without Screech? No, dude, absolutely not. He's like Family Matters without Urkel. It, it's yeah. it's not possible. The yeah, show would have sucked. He, yeah. uh, he definitely took some weird turns after that show. But oh, like, yeah. Yep. I, I don't think... It, uh, nobody I know, nobody that I respect has anything but good memories of coming home from school watching Saved by the Bell. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we wanted to give, give him a shout-out as well. Um... Yeah, and now, Ralph, I'm sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we talked a bunch of weeks ago about why I wasn't watching the sorry-ass Phoenix Suns, and I was right, because at that point in time, they were number one in the Western Conference. And you were like, you're not going to watch the team that's number one in the Western Conference? And I'm like, why am I watching them? And now Devin Booker's hurt, too. There is literally no reason to watch okay. the Phoenix Suns. Okay. Uh, when you and I talked about this, about how you brought up the fact that you, you feel vindicated in not tuning into the Phoenix Suns. Because unless they're playing a good Booker team. Un, un, unless they're playing a team. Ah, that's, <laughs> no, no, hold on. Unless they're playing a team that's, that's interesting. If they're playing the Nets, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bulls, um, Washington Wizards, um, Lakers, Clippers, and the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and I would even watch the Rockets before I would watch them. Okay, okay. So the, this is this is where I'm going with this, and I think you you saw me and you cut me off. But when you and I were on the <laughs> phone and we were talking, we were talking about this. I said, like they're they're an okay team. They're young and they're exciting, and you wouldn't watch. They're them. not exciting. No. They're and I said, hold on, and I said, okay. but you would tune into the Warriors, and you yes. said yes anytime you tune into the Warriors. Well, the Warriors and Suns were on TNT this week, and the Suns beat the hell out of them, and it was the second time this year they beat the hell out of them. And and I, I what I'm getting from game. you is not a, okay. So then you tuned in, and and you got to see. I said that, but it was, it was not fun to watch, dude. I literally had to, I turned the channel every time Steph Curry came out. I was like, I don't want to watch it. It was, dude, it was like watching. I would rather watch. No, no, I wouldn't. The, the only teams that are worse to watch than the Phoenix Suns have to be the Timberwolves, the Kings, the Thunder, the Spurs this year. The Utah Jazz, the Detroit Pistons, and the Knicks probably. Oh, and the Cavaliers too. There, yeah. I, I I would equate the the Phoenix Suns with watching the Atlanta Hawks or the or the Pacers. I would watch all. I would watch all of those. Oh teams my god! For, like the Thunder. You would watch the I like Kings basketball. play. I like basketball. I love basketball too, but but I'm not okay. So I have the the NBA TV thing, right? The the NBA app, so I can watch all the games. But I'm choosing the game. I'm not like I'm not gonna watch 
like that's time for me to get the honeydew list done or some other stuff. So then I can go do what I want to do. Watch the game that I want to watch later. Okay. So you're saying it's not fun for you to watch Frank Kaminsky go for 12 points and 13 rebounds. Listen, I, I, I haven't, it. I haven't Look, cared I about it. what Frank Kaminsky did since he was at Wisconsin and, and they were strength, playing Oregon. Full strength. The Phoenix Suns put three of the top 35 players in the NBA on the court. That should be watchable. <laughs> three? Come on, man. I got yeah, I get, three I of the top two. 35 Booker, players in the NBA. Booker and Chris Paul. Which are two of the top 20. And then I, w- I would put DeAndre Ayton as a number one pick as a, as a seven-footer who has David Robinson athleticism. Oh, my God. Y'all going to tune in to see three of the top 35 players plus Dude, Frank Kaminsky. Aiton doesn't dominate basketball games. Um, next thing up. last Dominate up, the Warriors. Oh, yeah. I, 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 st- I would rather watch Wiseman play than DeAndre Aiton. How about that? Um, How about that? <laughs> did, the, did the Rams give up too much for Matthew Stafford? That's a legitimate question because they gave up two, a 2022 and 2023 first rounder and a 2021 third rounder and Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford. I, I just, I, I believe that the Rams got absolutely fleeced. They are a team that's living paycheck to paycheck because they don't have draft picks. They're, and it's their cap hell is coming to roost at some point in time. Yeah, I, the way that I see this is I see a, a quarterback with five years of experience who is probably a B-minus to B guy with, with, a, with a, a room to improve. Yeah. And Jared Goff getting traded for a guy who is um, – like 10 years deep into his career, who's like a B B plus is maxed out on his talent. And then you throw three draft picks on top of that. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Jared Goff is 42 and 20 over his last four years. And you can't really put all that on him. He has excellent coaching and they did go all out to make sure that he was surrounded by some of the best teammates. They've supported him with very good wide receivers, a very good running game. The Rams have done everything that Detroit fans had wished the Lions would have done for Matt Stafford over the course of his career. Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback, and the only way that this trade is an absolute lunacy is if the Rams win a Super Bowl in the next two years. That's it. That is the only way that this isn't completely insane because we're going to be like nine straight seasons of no Rams first-round picks by the time all of this is over, and eventually that starts to erode uh, your your roster and yep. they are in cap hell and they are one of they are two of the only nine instances of giving up multiple first round picks for a proven player are what the Rams have done in the last couple of years and going to get Jalen Ramsey yep. and now and now Matthew Stafford. But like Matthew Stafford did not win in Detroit. I think he only has like 72 wins for his career. I mean, he he's not he always puts up numbers. He doesn't turn the ball over much. Yeah, he wasn't surrounded by the best talent, and he never had a running game. I'm I'm completely understanding of all those things. But Jared Goff has almost as many wins as Matt Stafford does in the last nine years, just in the last four years. Yep. 
And so it's, and, and 38 of those, this is how bad the, the Lions were. And I don't know if this goes against my point and yours, but like 38 of those 72 wins were fourth quarter comebacks uh, by yeah, Matt Stafford. Hey, he's 74, 90 and one actually in, in his career. And 38 of those wins are, are game winning drives. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a two to one interception to touchdown right now. He's a good quarterback, but like, I would have been, if I were them, I would have spent all my energy. If you were going to give up two first round picks and a third round pick to get Matthew Stafford, you could have waited a little bit and and pressed the Houston Texans and got another one and gave, gave, gave up another one to get Watson. I would also say this, uh, Matt Stafford spent this whole last year in Michigan with his wife, uh, ripping Michigan's governor, ah! their laws being too restrictive. I am not 100% sure how she's going to like California. Oh, dude, she's absolutely going to hate it here because, but we can outdoor dine here again now because uh, apparently. Oh, no, there you go. Yep, apparently that that's safe now. Um, you guys, Ralph is back. The rights are wrong. You guys, make sure that you guys tune in. Uh, share it with a friend. Tell a friend about it. Leave a five-star review. Oh, forgot to give you guys the phone number to text us. Wait until the end. 818-293-7547. 818-293-7547. Um, yeah, so you guys can hit us up. You don't know who's going to respond because we both have access to this. Um, you guys, peace out. Catch you guys later.